Say it with me with feeling. His divine power. His divine power. Has given us. Everything we need. Everything we need. Roll your head on this one. Everything we need. For a godly life. Through our knowledge of him. Who has called us. By his own glory. And goodness. All right, we got it. We're getting there. Remain standing, please. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. From the New Living Translation. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered the heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to that which, excuse me, hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Somebody say amen. Turn to your neighbor one and only time. Say, neighbor, the blessing is in your pressing. You may be seated. I'm sorry. Tell somebody else. Look at them and say, press. Father, if you would now please let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. God, you are my strength and my redeemer. Let all of God's people say, amen. So this past Wednesday, on what we call the liturgical calendar, the liturgical is nothing but a fancy word for the Christian calendar, there's a period that starts the season of Lent. Um, Lent is the 40 days that leads up to the death, the burial, the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. For years we have done a 40-day consecration at the same time as Lent, but never in the years that we have done it have I called it Lent because Lent has its own connotations and imaginations. When I think of Lent, I think of sweets and coffee that people say they've given up. That's not really what this is about for us in this 40-day consecration. So what is a consecration? What does it mean to consecrate? Because that's what we're calling it, and that's what we have called it for years. Well, the word consecrate, the word sanctify, and the word holiness all come from the same word, and it means to be set apart. Understand that the second two of the three, sanctification, sanctify, and holiness, and to some degree consecration, are two parts. The first part is what God does by position. Somebody say position. When we got saved, God sanctified us by position. He declared us holy by position. He set us apart 
from all other people in the world who are not saved by position. Why did he do that? Because of our faith in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But consecration is not necessarily God's work. It is our work. Because the second part of sanctification, holiness, and consecration has to deal not with position, but it has to deal with practice. Somebody say practice. So here's how it works. When we got saved, God by position separated us, set us apart from everybody else. However, by practice, we are called to live based on the position that God has already given to us. So now the 40-day consecration is for us to practice being more like Christ, to be set apart, to be holy, to be sanctified. That is our responsibility, not what God did by position, but what we're doing. So why do we do this? Well, we do this because the goal of salvation is to be like Christ. That's the whole goal of it. It is not just so you are saved and you don't go to hell. This ain't fire insurance. You got saved, or hopefully you got saved, because what you're saying is you desire for your life to be patterned after Christ's life. So the last 40 days of Christ's life was the most intense days of his life. And so therefore, we are patterning our life after his life, the last 40 days of his earthly life before he died, buried, and was resurrected. So for us, it is also more of an effort that we put in in these 40 days, that we begin to trust God all the more. And so this is what the consecration means. I am making the choice to set myself apart so that I can be most like Christ and I can most follow his will. If you understand that, then you understand that this is what we just read today in Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews, the book of Hebrews is in the New Testament. It's in what we call the letters section. It was written by somebody, a letter written by somebody to a group of people for a particular reason. Now, there is debate in terms of who is the author of Hebrews. Most people ascribe that the author is Paul, but there are many people that debate that. So for today, we're just going to say that the author is unknown. What we do know is the theme of Hebrews. Hebrews is better than. Somebody say better than. What we know is that whoever wrote this, wrote this to some Christians who were struggling about who Jesus was in comparison to the Old Testament saints. And so the author is writing Hebrews to say Jesus is better than Moses. Jesus is better than Abraham. Jesus is better than Isaac, he's better than Jacob, he's better than Melchizedek, he's better than David, he's better than the Old Testament system, he's better than anything else. As a matter of fact, Hebrews also says Jesus is better than the angels. So the author is trying to tell us that when we choose Christ, there's nothing better, no one greater, no one more powerful, 
Nobody stronger. Nobody better because he came and what he did is better than everybody else before him in the current moment and better after he left. There's nobody else but Jesus. So if you understand that, then you understand where we are in Hebrews chapter 4. Because when we look at verse 14, the first words of Hebrews 4 and 14 is, so then. Now, Reverend Person, you King James. King James has therefore. And I last learned that if you want to, whatever you see therefore, then that means that there's something that was previously said that the author is now trying to bring into the present that will conclude a statement that is to come. So whenever you see therefore, we need to find out what it's Therefore, that makes sense, right? All right. So the author says, therefore, so pause. We can't, we can't go any further until we find out, well, what did the author say before he wrote verse 14? Well, in Hebrews 4 and 12, the author talks about the value, y'all ready for this, of the word of God. He says, the word of God is alive, and it is powerful. Let me stop right there. The word of God ain't about just some dead people that lived a long time ago. The word of God ain't just about some God in some distant space, wherever he might be in the heavens. No, the, God, the, the, the Bible is a living document. Why? Because it teaches me how to live. It teaches us how to live. It teaches us what is the truth of this life. And the word of God is powerful. How many of y'all believe that? How many of you believe that there's power in the word? So then guess what, y'all? Why do you think I want you to recite Scripture. Why do you think I want you to memorize Scripture? Because when life be life, what I want you to do is stop cussing and start reciting Scripture. Because when you recite Scripture, if it has power, you release the power into the atmosphere. The Lord is my light. And my salvation. Whom shall I fear? I ain't scared of you. Enemy, you can't do nothing to me. I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From which cometh my help. My help don't come from mama. Or daddy. Or best friend. My help comes from the. And why should I say that? Because he made what? If the word of God is alive, then that means it's living, it's teaching us how to live. If the word of God is powerful, that means I want you to memorize it. Why? Because when life hits, I want you to be able to start spewing scripture. When Jesus was in the, in the desert and the enemy was tempting him after he, when he was fasting, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. That comes from the mouth of God. Jesus said heaven and earth may pass away. But my word. 
So if you want to change atmosphere, if you want to shift things, if you want to make a difference, stop cussing. Cussing ain't helping you. But if you want to release a word into the atmosphere, the word of God is alive and it's powerful. Put verse 12 back on the screen because here's where I got to do some, some delicate digging. Because Lady Swan, it also says that the word of God is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. Watch this, y'all. Not a one-edged sword where you got a handle. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, which means I better be careful about how I speak about this word. Because not only can I cut you, but I can cut me too. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. This is what the word does. It divides, it's so sharp, it divides soul and spirit. What is soul? Soul is the life of you. What is spirit? Spirit is the Holy Spirit, the God that comes into you. The, the word is so sharp that it can separate you from the God in you. It gets down, and, and I'm glad, Sister Benita, let me give a shout out to her because during the prayer time, she actually prayed this verse. Uh, so shout out to you, Sister Benita. It is not only uh, sharper than a two-edged sword, but it also cuts down between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. Now, most of y'all don't even know what marrow is. What is marrow? Marrow is what's in your bones. It cuts between the joints that bring your bones together, between the marrow that's in your bones so that your bones can stay strong. That's how the work. And so what I realize now, Reverend Overby, is why people may not want to read the word. Because that word starts cutting. And it's better to say, I can't understand it. It's more convenient to say, I don't know what I'm reading. Because once you start reading it, you start seeing yourself. And that thing start cutting. These used to be old commercial Ginsu knives. Start, start cutting your own up. And so we want to put it down. But, but let me help you. It says between uh, soul and spirit, between joint and marrow, and watch this, the word exposes. The innermost thoughts and desires. See, this is the beautiful part about the word. You can fake it in here. You can look real churchy in here. You can look real holy in here. Courtney was singing today. Praise team was singing. Choir was singing. Y'all look real churchy in here today. Glory. Turn your wrist.
Got a little pep in your step. Somebody looking at you like, ooh, they going in. You look real good till you sit down. And you open this. And you start reading this. And it start telling you stuff you really don't want to hear. Because what you really want is just to make sure everybody think you farther along than you are. The word gets down into the innermost parts of us. Because what the word is going to do is search your heart. See, you ain't got to tell me your heart. You can tell me anything. How you doing, Pastor? Blessed and highly favored. But what does that word say? See, because you good with God until that word tell you, you need to stop walking away from some stuff. Then you put it down. So some of y'all are ignorant to the word on purpose. Because you don't want to know. Because once you know, the word says you are accountable. So I'd rather come in and shout and be ignorant than to sit down and read it and God check me on all the stuff. For the word of God is alive. It is powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. Cutting, slicing, soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. See, most of us focus on the action. But the word focuses on your thought. Jesus said, you have heard it say, you shall not hate your brother or sister. But I say to you, if you say rocker in your heart, you've already committed murder. Verse 13, let me keep going. Nothing is hidden from God. So y'all help me. If nothing is hidden from God, then why? Do we try to hide stuff from God? Put the verse back up. They need to see it. I want them to feel a little nervous here. Everything is naked and exposed before God. For whom we all have to be accountable. I want y'all to sit with that for a minute before I shout you. One thing we don't like in this generation, Lady Swan, is accountability. 
you want to do whatever you want to do and hope that God co-sign your mess. And then you want to cancel me and block me and unfriend me when I tell you the truth. Well, guess what? I'd rather have one friend with truth than to have 20 friends that's lying. This ain't no popularity contest. This is what you got to stand on. And so what he's saying is, is that nothing is hidden. So you can hide it in here. You can get yourself right for two hours in here. But there's a whole lot more hours that's out of here that I don't see, we don't see, but God sees. That's what the 40 days is about. Why are we trying to hide something that God already see? <laughs> he already know. He knew when you was going to do it. He saw you when you did it. And you try to hide it like. <laughs> now I'm in verse 14. So then. Therefore. On the basis. Of the word. Being sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. That can cut soul and spirit. Joint and marrow that exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Based on, therefore, the fact that there's nothing that we can hide from God, that we are accountable for everything that we do. Therefore, so then, here it is. We have a great high priest who has entered into the heavens, Jesus Christ, let us hold firmly to what we believe. See, most of us don't even know what we believe, so I'm going to help you right here. Therefore, since then, we have a great high priest. Stop right there. What is a high priest? If you know anything about Old Testament, high priest was the one that was responsible on the Day of Atonement. There was one day a year where the high priest had to enter into the holiest of holy places and would offer a sacrifice behalf of the people hoping that the sacrifice would be accepted because if the sacrifice was not accepted or the priest entered into the place wrong, God would drop and kill them on the spot. So, so now the high priest, what is the high priest's role? The high priest's role is to stand before God to make intercession for the people asking God to forgive the people for their sins. Well, in the Old Testament, they did it once a year. So that means that if God accepted the offering that one day, then that means the next day, when we sin again, you would have to hold that thing for 365 days. Now, can you imagine standing before God and God saying, let me see what you did the last 365 days. <laughs> Kevin, come on up here. Is this you? On January 1st, did you do that? You got me, God. You got me. <laughs> but the verse says, 
we don't have a just a high priest. We have a great high priest. See, this is what you need to believe. You see, because in the Old Testament, the reason why the Old Testament didn't work is because you had to hold the sin for so long. So God said, that system ain't going to work. So I got to create another system. Jesus, you go down. Jesus, you live for them. Jesus, you take the nails. Jesus, you die for the sins. So that now, instead of me taking the wrath out on you, I take the wrath out on him. What makes him the great high priest is because he made intercession on our behalf. He went to the heavens saying, God, don't kill him. He went to the heavens saying, God, give him one more chance. He went to the heavens and said, God, give them grace. Uh, God, give them mercy. I just need to know if there's some people here that's glad that God, that our Lord is making intercession for you right now. God, spare their life. Uh, they're going to get it right tomorrow. Don't take them out today. Because the truth of the matter is, we should have been dead a long time ago. And let me help some of the older folk in church who used to be raised on everything is going to hell. Let me talk to y'all for a minute because some of us got PTSD because everything we heard in the church was you going to hell. If you say it wrong, you going to hell. If you wear something too short, you're going to hell. If you do this, you're going to hell. Well, there is hell. There is hell. But hell is for those who repeatedly decide that I don't want to do God's will. But hold on. There are those who are walking in God. Who are trying to do it right. And if you're trying to do it right. Then you got to understand. That that's why the high priest went to the heavens on your behalf. I need about five people right now. That want to give God praise. To say thank God I got this great high priest. He ain't just Aaron. He ain't just Moses. He's the great high priest. He went to heaven to say give them one more chance. And if we were going to hell, we would have went to hell the first time we did it. Now let me be clear here. I'm making a distinction between those who are trying to live right and slip up versus those who deliberately and intentionally and willfully disobey God. Um, and it's two different categories. Don't you walk out of here thinking that I'm saying everybody God's going to, he going to the heavens for on behalf of you. No. He's going on behalf of those who are trying. Those who are trying to do it right. But you know that the enemy's after you. You know that it ain't easy living this life. You know that you struggle every now and again. But you try it. For those of you who ain't trying, you don't get this. And if you are trying, you need to mark Hebrews 4 and 15. You need to write it in your Bible. You need to highlight it because it's one of the best verses in Scripture. Here's what it says. It says, since then we have this high priest that has entered into the heavens. This is verse 14. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. Watch this. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. 
How does he understand? Because he faced all of the same stuff. I need somebody to understand what I'm saying here. You see, because most theology teaches that there is a God that is in the distance. Some, some space that is beyond the realm of my imagination. But Jesus gets me. And the reason why he gets me is because he went through everything that I'm dealing with. This is why it makes no sense to hide from him. Because he already knows what you're going through. He had to deal with crazy family members. He had to deal with people lying on him. He had to deal with disappointment. He had to deal with despair. He had to deal with people smiling in his face but wanting to take him out. He had to deal with anxiety. Matter of fact, he had so much anxiety in the garden that the Bible says that sweat came from his glands that turned to blood. He knows. And this is what ought to change our relationship with God. I'm not just talking to Christ as some Lord who's so high up here. I'm talking to him like we are, like, Lord, Lord, these people getting on my nerves. When do you pray like that? Lord, help me. I'm about to lose it. And Jesus says, I know. Because I've been there. Buddha can't offer you this. Allah can't offer you this. I need somebody that understands what I'm dealing with. I need somebody that understands the stress and the pressure and the issues of life that I'm dealing with. And verse 15 says, this high priest gets me. See, let me pause for a moment and, and tell y'all something about Valentine real quick since we just had Valentine. And I'm going to talk to Valentine and I'm going to talk to the senior singles for just a moment. If you're in a relationship with somebody, what really makes the connection is when you know that the other person gets you. So how do you know if they get you? Because they've taken time to try to understand you. They have noticed you. They have listened to you. They, they know what you like. They know what you don't like. For years, I used to give Lady Swan flowers for Valentine until she told me, I don't want flowers. That's what you told me, right? And I said, well, why it take you 15 years? You know how much money I spent on these flowers. <laughs> you see, you got a lot of people in relationships 
that do for other people on the basis of what they think you should get. And they got a nerve to be mad when, when you don't show the level of appreciation because in their mind, I went out of my way. I done spent all this money. I done did all this stuff. And isn't it frustrating when you do all of that and you don't get the reaction that you hope? You know why? Because did you ever ask, what do you want? And so I done spent hundreds of dollars in my mind. Temptations in my mind. I done did all this stuff only to realize that ain't what she wanted. And if it's not what she wanted, then in her mind, what she's saying but not saying, he really don't get me. If you're going to be in a relationship, the best feeling in the world is when you know that the other person gets you. You know that you ain't got to say much because you know that they know what you need, how you like it, when you like it, and the manner of which you give it. Y'all give it up. My dad back in the church, y'all. Come on. I'd have been, I'd have, we'd have been married 26 years, be 27. And let me just tell y'all, you don't get this far without having some conversations. What do you want? See, uh, what we do is on anniversary, every year for anniversary, we sit down. Where are you now? What do you need now? Because you ain't the same person that you were when I married you 26 years ago. You in the same body, but we got life experiences. We got different things that's going on. We got kids now we didn't have before. We got debt. When I first met you, I just took you to Pizza Hut. Go ahead, girl, get, your, get all the toppings on the pizza. You, you got it. We'll have pepperoni and sausage, please. <laughs> Get whatever you want, baby. And I'll have water, please. I'll have water. <laughs> but when life goes on, life is more than pizza. Now we're dealing with tuition, kids, and yeah. And so it's important to us, if nothing else, we understand each other. We get each. It's hard being in a relationship with somebody that you know really don't get you. I don't care how much money they got. Yeah, they may provide some level of, of security. 
But if they don't get you, you ain't fulfilled. And y'all ain't got to say it, man, because I know you might be sitting beside. So just blink. to help me. So if you're really going to make them flowers and that chocolate and that dinner and that teddy bear and all that kind of stuff that you do special, if you write a whole list of things in the card but that's not really what they want, then you didn't get them. You go to the best restaurant in the world and that's not really what they wanted, you didn't get them. You gave them what you wanted. And so when I read this verse, this is why the verse makes me want to shout. Because it says, for we have a high priest that understands our weaknesses. He knows what we're going through. He gets us because he went through it himself. This is why we can come to him. Stop all this hiding. Why? He already know it. Did you read Genesis when Adam and Eve sinned? God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, the Bible says, and they say that Adam and Eve is hiding from How are you going to hide from God? God show up. What's up, Adam? Now they got clothes on. Adam, what's up, man? Yeah, man, you know. Had to put some clothes on because I was naked. Who told you? You was naked. 40 days is about getting to the place where we can have conversation with Christ. Because I think a lot of us have this feeling that if I really tell them, we got this, we got this hell mentality. But according to this verse, he knows and understands our weaknesses because he has experienced them too. The only difference is he did not sin. You see, in this verse, Brother Moby, what I realized is that many times when we come to church, we focus so much on the divinity of Christ. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He did all of that. But in this verse, what strikes me is his humanity. I know. I know. You silently struggling. I know what that's like. You in pain. I know what that's like. You've been rejected. You thought people loved you, but they treated you bad. I know what that's like. You had some people in your own family doubted you. I know what that's like. You got regrets and stuff that you say, you know what, if I could do it all over again, maybe I'd try to do it a little differently. I know what that's like. But he faced it all. So on the basis of that, we get to verse 16. 
So let us come boldly to the throne of God. What's the throne of God? Where is this throne that you're talking about in this verse? Well, first of all, a throne is uh, a space where God rules. It is imagined that this throne is a seat where he sits symbolically. He sits and he rules with power, purpose. The author says, on the basis of God, under, Christ understanding us, we should, in response to that, boldly come to his throne. That ain't the best part. You know why? Because when we press in, you don't get judgment. When we press in, you don't get sinners to hell. Put the verse on the screen. I want him to see it. Because when we press in and boldly enter into his throne, you know what you get? So that you will get mercy. I could have did it, but I didn't. And I'm going to give you grace in the time where you need it. If I press in and I seek him, here's what I get back. I get mercy. I get grace. And you know what else I get? I get help. Is that what the verse say? And I get help when I need it. Lord, I'm about to lose it. Help is on the way. Lord, I don't know what to do. Help is on the way. Lord, I can't see myself straight right now. Help is on the way. Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do right now. I'm about to lose my mind. Help is on the way. Lord, I feel like giving up. Help is on the way. Lord, I thought about doing something crazy that I shouldn't have done. Hold on. Help is on. However, it don't come unless you boldly. So if you press, you get blessed. If you decide I'm going to go in. I'm going to pray harder. I'm going to read harder. I'm going to fast. I'm going to seek. Then you get help. Then the grace comes. Then the mercy comes. But if you're just chilling, according to this verse, you don't get nothing. I'm ending right here. If you need something from the Lord, and you say for the 40 days, I'm really going to press. I'm really going to go in. I'm really going to seek God because I need God to do some things in this season. Boldly come up here. I'm only going to ask you once. 
You know, the one thing that I like in, in, the, in the Bible, there's a story about a man named Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus was blind. And the Bible says there was commotion. That they, they heard. He heard, because he couldn't see, that, that Jesus was passing by. And, and when he heard that Jesus was passing by, he started yelling, Son of David, Son of David, have mercy on me. Everybody else said, man, shut up. You're making a scene. You're making too much noise. Bartimaeus said, the Bible says he raised his voice even higher. Son of David, have mercy on me. Because Bartimaeus realized, you ain't dealing with what I'm dealing with. You ain't going through what I'm going through. So how you going to tell me to be quiet when I know that I got stuff that I need that only the Lord Jesus can help me with? This is depressing. You got to get out of your mind what somebody else going to think. How somebody else going to believe. You got to get out of your mind that there's other people around and they're going to be looking at me strange. They're in the same boat you in. We all need something from God. And don't you let your blessing go away because you're too afraid to press in. Boldly means confidently approach the throne of God. I don't know, God, how you going to do it, but I know you will. I don't know when, but I know you will. So I'm going to praise you now for what you're going to do. That's boldly coming. That's what the faith you gotta have in this season. That's what you gotta believe God for if this 40 days is gonna mean anything to you. Every head bow. Every head bow. You're at the throne. What do you need? What do you want? He already gets you, but he wants you to speak it because you know why God delights in your pressing he said this seeking you shall find ask and it shall be given knock and the door shall be opened to you he delights in your pressing press in right now what do you need what do you want what do you want God to do Some of y'all been having stuff for years. Issues for years. Come on, God, do it now. In the name of Jesus, we're standing at your throne. Symbolically, we're standing in the seat of the place where your power is evident, God. And God, right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray, God, that you would give us boldness to stand before you. The confidence to know that, God, you hear us. You understand us. You know how we are in our weakness. And God, give us grace right now. Give us mercy right now. Give us the help that we need to keep on going. There was some in here that came in today tired. There was some that came in today thinking about giving up. I bind that spirit in the name of Jesus, God. I pray even now that, God, you give us a fresh wind. God, give us a fresh anointing, God. Give us, Lord, new strength, God. Give us the ability of a fresh mind in the name of Jesus. 
Now I've started it for you. Now you learn how to press in for yourself. Come on, I need you to pray. Come on, I need you to pray. What are you asking God for? God, I need you to bless my family. I need you to bless my family. Whatever it is, come on, come on, come on. Open your mouth and declare to the Lord, Lord, I'm pressing in right now because God, I need you. place come on press in just a little bit more press in just a little bit more press in just a little bit more you are my like 
you don't see it. God, we're going to give it to you so you can be our strength. You can be our comfort. You can be our guide. Father, I pray for this 40 days that you would do some amazing things in the lives of your people. Breakthroughs, healings, signs, wonders, miracles that all speak to your glory. And so God, I thank you for what you're going to do in this season. We have intercessors that are here for those who need additional prayer. We'll be standing here after service is over for those who need to be saved. Give their life to the Lord. Join the church. Visitors that you're here today, please come up and say hello before you leave. One last time, you are my strength. You are my strength. Everybody, strength light. Strength like no other, and it reaches. You are, you are my strength. Strength like no other. Thank you, Lord. May your grace, your peace, and your power keep and sustain us all. In Jesus' name, somebody say, press. God bless you. Love you in Jesus' name. Welcome back. We thank you again for worshiping with us this morning. And we hope that something was said, something was done, or a song was sung that helps your spirit be better prepared for your week. Remember, we stand on those three things, love, grow, and serve. And prayerfully, that was illustrated today in our service. If you want to know more of who Ivy is, download our Ivy app, follow us on social media, or go to our website. Again, we thank you, and we pray that you have a blessed week. Love, grow, and serve.